This is the Unity Community of Central Oregon podcast. Yeah, I want to just echo what you were saying, Nate, about you, Victor, because I think Victor is really kind of the poster boy for this um, particular talk. In dark times, how do you find the light? And we've all had experiences where we've had heartbreaks in our lives. It's just kind of comes with the territory. But somehow he was able to move from a place of paralysis and heartbreak to connecting with the all, the light that's always there. And when we do that, we are able to navigate the dark times and do it beautifully and find the fount of creativity that is within us all. So this, this talk was actually inspired by Nico, and he's not here, so um, Kevin, you're going to have to make sure you make him sit down. You know how children always listen to their parents, especially when they're grown-ups. Um, <laughs> but, but he asked during the Ask Your Minister really about this question, what do you do? How do, how do you keep positive in dark times? And so that's, that's really what I want to address today. Um, and, and so I have an acronym for you. It's called PACT because it makes it easier for me to remember things when I have an acronym. <laughs> so the first thing is to gain perspective. What is it that we're really looking at here? We, we tend to have a narrow look at what's awful without seeing the full picture. The other pieces of the acronym that I'll talk about are where are we putting our attention, becoming complaint-free, and taking action. So perspective. You've probably heard it said, and I, I couldn't find the exact place, but I know that Socrates had some rant in one of his writings about this generation and how it's all going to the dogs. And it's been a perception for, for a long, long time that things going forward are not good, that catastrophe is coming down the pike. That is not a new idea. But it's also, even bigger than that, there are cycles, and indigenous traditions and other non-Western traditions have talked about this for a long time. So one of them is the Mayan. And the Mayans talk about the great cycle. So winter 2012, winter solstice, was the beginning of the end of a 5,125-year-long period. December 12th, 2021, is the full end of that period. So that has ended how it's been, not just in our lifetimes, but for the past 5,125 years, is over. Now, these great cycles are not right angles. They don't come to, all right, we hit the end of it. It's, it's a turn. Think like moving the Queen Mary in the harbor. It, so it, it takes a while, but 
important to know is that that cycle has ended. The Hindu scriptures, the Vedas, they talk about even larger cycles of 26,000 years. The yugas, they're called. The current yuga that we have been in is one of chaos and violence, increasing use and abuse of power that ended February 2021. So all of those things that upset us, that are so wrong with the world, done, turning. In China, the I Ching, this same period, we're completing the cycles of changes ending with the Lunar New Year 2020. You notice that they're similar, but they're not exactly the same date because it's not a right angle, it's a turn. The book of Revelation, the apocalypse, it talks about how millions are dying from illness, famine, earth changes, and warfare all over the world. Does that sound familiar? Like the news that you watch, if you watch the news? In the book of the Quran, one world is ending, another world is beginning. So ancient teachings from all over the world have been speaking of this. There are cycles, and the cycle is ending. Even social historians are noting the patterns. The rise and fall of cultures and civilizations have ex repeating patterns to them. So what we're seeing now is not something brand new. Those are all calendar-oriented predictions and cycles. There's also signs importance, and those are ways to know that change is happening. One of the Native American traditions was when the eagle has landed, there will be a change. In 1969, do you remember that quote? The eagle has landed when we landed on the moon. The next day, in Congress, they introduced a bill allowing the Native people to practice their spiritual traditions, which, if you remember your history, had been outlawed. So that was a powerful sign. One of the signs was that the Caucasian children would begin to seek out learning about Native traditions and would be following them. And I know there are people in this room who are strong followers of those traditions. And the rest of us probably have dabbled in them enough to know something about them. So that is, that is a sign that something is turning. The gourd of ashes is one thing that they talk about. That's the nuclear holocaust. And that's a sign that violence is going to be part of this transition. 
and we have seen that violence. What's next? The Mayans say um, there will be less interest in mechanical or electrical devices, more interest in biological and spiritual development. Interesting, hmm? There will be less empire building and more community building, which is what we're doing here. There will be less rocket science and more spiritual science. Less computers and more consciousness. Now, <laughs> while none of us are probably eager to give up our devices, um, the things that we're moving toward are things we're already interested in. And we, we can be part of the leaders of this new world. The North American say that only children of the earth living in the mountains and forests may, away from the cities, may thrive if the transition is really violent. If it's peaceful, native elders will teach large numbers of people of all colors to live in harmony with each other, with creator's teachings, and with the earth. And so we pray to be that peace. The Christian teachings are that after a thousand years of violent shifts and changes, a new heaven and earth in a crystal new Jerusalem with the river of life flowing from the roots of the tree of life, that that will happen. Obviously, all symbolic language, but it's language that stirs the heart to possibility. Barbara Marks Hubbard, who was a futurist who died a few years back, talked about birthing the universal human. And she was saying that just as in any birth, it's a time of danger, but also something beautiful is coming forth. And that this, all of this muck that we find ourselves traveling through is just the throes of childbirth. And we are moving into birthing something new. And rather than an individual, it's a consciousness where we are all one. And not just one people, but one earth where the earth and all the beings on it matter. That is the shift, and with our Earth Care team, that's what we're really focusing on. That's what Unity Worldwide is focusing on. We want to be part of birthing a consciousness that's bigger than people, where we're all one. If we think about crystals, I'm sure we all love crystals, we've all probably got some crystals, crystals are forged under pressure. So we have plenty of pressure right now. And if we think about ourselves, if we take the perspective that this pressure is creating something new and something beautiful and something powerful and life-giving, then so it is. That's P for perspective. Attention. Where where are we putting our attention? Think about what we're looking at. Are we looking at drama? 
you know, sit in front of the news, and if it bleeds, it leads. That's what, that's what you're going to hear about. There are plenty of terrible things to report. But there are beautiful things that are not getting reported. There are magazines like Yes! Magazine that is full of wonderful stories. Emergence Magazine, those are some of the ones that I read. There are all kinds of online resources. Elaine Cornick, is, she is a maven of what's out there in terms of positive stuff, and if you don't have enough that you are reading in your life, talk to Elaine. She's got this cultural butterfly project that's online, and it's all about how the butterfly of our consciousness is emerging from the, the muck of what we've got, the pressure of the cocoon, and she's got so many resources. They're out there. That's the kind of thing to put our attention on. A lot of us want to put our attention on our old stories because, you know, we've gotten pretty good at telling them. And human beings are natural-born storytellers. So we kind of like telling stories of how bad it is, how bad it was. We don't want to let go of those stories because we have them in our minds as facts, that factually that happened. Yes, it did. Some, some parts of that story happened, and our story is told through our perspective, which isn't always factual, it's emotional, and it's leeching our energy, unless it was a good story. So if we're putting our attention, always looking behind us, I mean, try driving. If you're looking like this, you're going to fall off the road. It's, it's not a good idea. And it's not a good idea in life to be doing that. We want to put our attention on positive things. How about beauty? Look around this room. There's beauty all over. There's beauty in the faces beside you. There's beauty in the sounds. It's all beauty. There's so much beauty. This moment right now, regardless of whatever happened to you or is about to happen to you in your mind when you walk out the door, this moment, I'm pretty sure everyone is okay. This moment, we have this breath. And the more we remain in this moment, the more we dwell in well-being. Because the problems are somewhere else. They're not in this moment, for the most part. How about inspiration? How much inspiration are you feeding yourself with? Talk about minimum daily requirements. We need the nutrition of inspiration. And there are so many so sources that are out there for it. I'm going to share a few stories, but this book, Humankind, is an amazing book one story after another of people who have taken action, which is the fourth step in PACT. They've taken action to help others. It's so inspiring. 
This ought to be required reading for every human being, and it's full of resources of how you too can help. The C, complaints cost you. You know, we, we tend to complain about things we don't like. But it's not a good thing. Complaints are like the Course in Miracle talks about everything is disguised as a, it's really a call for love, every, every action that's out there, even things that seem awful. Complaints are disguised requests. We have a longing for something to be different. And so how about we just skip to the ask and ask for what it is that we want instead of complaining about it. You know, when we hear the babies crying, the babies don't have the ability to make an ask. And so they get a free pass on complaining. They get to cry. <laughs> but by the time you're sitting in these chairs, you have the ability to ask for what you want. And that is much more helpful. How many of you really enjoy being around people who are complaining? Isn't there somebody? <laughs> Sahaley, thank you. Chris, all right, we've got, so all of you who want to have your last request, your complaints stored someplace, go to those two. They like hearing complaints. <laughs> and there's a future in a complaint department somewhere for you. <laughs> But for most of us, it's talk about wah, wah. <laughs> it really lowers the energy. Whereas if you just ask for what you want, then the person has a choice. They can say yes or no, or, or try to figure out a way to help you out with that. But it's, it's draining your own energy because you're focusing on what you don't want. You're focusing on the negative. And if you want a world of light instead of a world of darkness, don't focus on the negative. And that's a habit. They have those purple bracelets for complaint-free world, and you're supposed to switch the bracelet every time you catch yourself complaining. And you'll be amazed if you're paying attention because you'll be <laughs> doing this. It's, it's a great little habit. You don't have to have a purple bracelet. You can get a rubber band. You can do whatever you want. But train yourself out of complaining because it's not good for our planet or for your, your own well-being. So this is, I want to tell you a story about this woman. Um, I read about this. If you get the Daily Word, it's in this month's Daily Word, Anna Maria Morales. Um, she is the child of Mexican immigrants, and she lived in LA. And she had a dream that she would be the first one in her family that would go to college. And not only would she go to college, but she was gonna fund it with her own entrepreneurship, rather than um, stress her parents out to come up with money that they didn't have to pay for college. So when she was seven, she set up a lemonade stand at a parade in the area. And she took the money that she made at the lemonade stand and she opened a bank account and started saving. When she was eight, 
she was offering manicures at a, a, some festival in the area. Took all that money and banked it. She, had, she went door to door selling handmade greeting cards. She had all kinds of ideas. When she was a senior in high school, she realized that, oh, she wasn't even close. She didn't, she didn't have enough even to be able to afford the applications. And so she was not sure what she was going to do, and she decided to do some stress baking because that was how she got herself into the flow, and she, she came up with this amazing recipe for cheesecake. And, and the next day, she sent her mom off with some pieces of cheesecake for coworkers, and one of them was like, oh, please, can I have that recipe? That's the best cheesecake ever. And ding, ding, she thought, no, I'm not giving the recipe away. I'm going to sell cheesecakes. And she decided to put herself through college one cheesecake at a time. Yeah. Well, it took her, it took her three tries before she got into um, University of California at Berkeley, which was where she wanted to go. But she did it. She graduated from there. She paid for it all herself. And today, she has um, the College Confectionista is a nonprofit that she wants to help other young Latina women to go to college and to, to shore them up in skills that will help them to be entrepreneurs. So she could have complained. She could have sat there and just complained about her lot in life and she would be doing the things that the rest of her family were doing, which is working hard without an education because life is miserable. But that's not what she did. All through high school, she had her room plastered with motivational quotes. She was listening to podcasts. She constantly nourished herself with inspiration, words that affirmed what is possible. And that's how she did it. She used Unity teachings, even though she wasn't part of Unity and hadn't, hadn't heard of it. T, take action. So, Louise Oliveira. So, before I say that, let, let's talk about how do we take action. We take action through the power of our words. We say things that light people up. We encourage others. We do things that make the world a better place. Luis Oliveira is from Puerto Rico. And when he was a, in high school, I'd say a junior in high school, his teachers called him up after class one day, and he's thinking, oh, what did I do now? I'm probably in trouble. And he says, what are you doing wasting my time? And he's like, what? He says, you're a really smart guy. You should be going to college. And you're sitting here, and you're just getting by. I bet there are people in this room who've been that kid in school, right? Just getting by, could have done better but why bother? And that's where Lewis was. He didn't, he didn't see a future for himself. This is the first he's hearing about the possibility of going to college. Who, me? He didn't 
he didn't even think that was an option. But because of that teacher taking the time to single him out and say, you are meant for more, he got his act together and he started really studying. And he graduated with great grades and he had, he had a great score on his test for college. However, he couldn't get into college because he'd been frittering away the first few years and didn't have good grades, so his overall GPA wasn't good. And the admissions director is saying, sorry, you don't have the GPA, you can't get in, end of story. So he went down the hall and he found the director of the program and he asked for a few minutes to talk to him and he had a whole suitcase full of his awards from his science fair projects and all the things that he had done and he talked to him and this man sat with him and he listened to him and he asked him questions. And in the end, he walked him back to the admissions office and he says, admit this guy, he has good things in him and it's more, he has more, there's more to it than just a GPA. So those two men made a huge difference. Today, Lewis is working at an organization called HopeWorks that is dedicated to shifting the, the cycle of poverty for young people of color in Camden, New Jersey, which is one of the most violent places in the United States. He is somebody who was so brilliant in science that he could have gotten any job, but he felt this compel need to help others as he had been helped. William Good had his father um, sent to prison when he was 14. And so his family had to move from North Carolina because they were farmers and now they'd lost their farmer. So they moved to Philadelphia. And, you know, he's a uh, farm kid in this big urban environment and he, he isn't sure how to navigate and he notices this guy in a suit walking by his house every day and so one day he goes up to him and he says, where are you going? And he's going to some church and he says, do you want to come with me? So he comes along. Well, that man and his wife end up taking this boy under their wing and they are forces for encouragement as he grows. When he's a junior in high school, he, he asks for a college application. And the guidance counselor says, oh, you don't need that. You, sh you should just get a job in a factory. A kid like you isn't going to go to school. And that would have been the end of his story, except that this couple sits him down and says, uh-uh, you are college material, and we're gonna make sure that happens. And they, they kept after him, they helped him study, they raised money at their church to send him to school, they helped him fill out the application. We don't think about that, like you hear stories of Dave and Grace, and you know, they've come from families where they're educated, but, but kids that grow up who don't come from those families don't know how to do those things. They need mentors. So he ended up 
going to college, and after college he decided to get into politics. He thought he might have <clears throat> more of a reach doing that. And so um, he did, and he eventually became the mayor of Philadelphia. And after, after his gig as mayor of Philadelphia, where he did lots of good, <clears throat> excuse me, he, um, he, had he had a lot of opportunities for consulting and so forth, and somebody asked him to consult for this organization called Amachi, and he decided rather than just consult, he would become the director of it. Amachi is um, an African word that it's, means who, know, who knows what God has brought us through this child. And the organization is all about taking kids whose parents have been imprisoned and changing the story for them because otherwise the, the statistics show that more of them than not end up in prison. That's the kind of work that you're doing, Katie. So it's, it's important work. So he became the director of that and into his 80s is still doing that work. So what will you do? You can write to people, encourage them, thank them. Oh, thank you. There you go, kindness in action. <laughs> Think about, it might be people that you know, like maybe somebody's done something really good for you in your life. Have you ever stopped and written them a note and thanked them for that? Maybe at the time you, you didn't fully have the resources to be able to appreciate what they had done for you, but now you do. Or maybe you write to people that are going through difficult situations. Someone's just been diagnosed with breast cancer. Someone's sitting in the chemo lab. Someone's, you know, what, whatever the situations are that you find. It might be somebody in this community. It might be somebody who's a stranger. You know, those people who are always sitting at the side of the road asking for money. Money isn't all they need. What if, what if you wrote notes of encouragement? You know, maybe some of them wouldn't care, but somebody would. What if you stopped and talked to somebody who looks different than you? You know, there's so many things that you could do. You can also guard your thoughts and keep your thoughts lifted because that lightens our world. You can pray. We talk about prayer all the time. I'll be doing a workshop on prayer soon. And if you're not sure how to do it yourself, come take the workshop and pray for others. Pray for our world. Pray the news when you hear the news. It's all about lifting our consciousness and how we hold things. Use your words to bless others. Consider yourself a radiant source of blessing. Take that seriously. Help other people. That If you're not signed up for UCOUNT now, that's something you can just go on the website or you can talk to Carol Fox, who's, I'm not sure where she's sitting, but I saw her here. Um, she's online today? Oh, okay, I thought I saw her here. 
Um, anyway, you can talk to Carol Fox. She organizes the email. And then when people need something in our community, they can put it out through UCount. And if you can help, you have the opportunity. There, it's something that everybody should be on because we never know when, when we're the answer to somebody else's need. Or when we have a need, we can put it out. I would encourage you to get a copy of this book and look at the resources in the back and see if there's something there. As you read the stories, there may be some stories that really sing to you and, and you want to um, be part of that organization, to contribute to it in some way. It, you know, in some cases it's money. Almost every organization needs money. But, but there are other kinds of help that they need too and things that you can do and those, those suggestions are in there. So I hope that helps to give you tools because when, when we feel like there's nothing we can do, that's the worst kind of darkness. But when we realize that, oh, there is something I can do, then that helps us. So I'm asking us all to make that pact, to think about what's going on in our world from a, a higher perspective, to be careful where we're putting our attention, to stop the complaining and take action for good. And as we do that, we become a force, making this world a better place. Namaste. Namaste.